Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. joining us online for Church Online and for all of those who will be joining us from uh, the correctional facilities that we go into in Lucas County, also Correction Center of Northwest Ohio. Um, as Pastor Kyle says every single week, we believe in you guys. You're not just a project to us, but you are our church family. So come on, Defiance, help us welcome all of those who are joining in. Well, today I want to talk about the struggle is real but Jesus is better. Today we're gonna talk about how the struggle is really real, but Jesus is so much better. In Hebrews chapter eight and verse six, it says this, but now he, talking about Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. I love it because in the book of Hebrews, uh, I heard it said that the entire book of Hebrews can be summed up in this phrase, Jesus is better. And, and, and in the book of Hebrews in the chapter prior and in chapter eight and in chapter nine, what it's talking about is talking about Jesus came on the scene and there used to be priests that offered sacrifice and there used to be priests that, that they would have to do a work and they would offer these sacrifices and these gifts and these offerings before the Lord. And so these priests would offer a sacrifice until it was finished. And then they'd go and they'd offer another sacrifice until it was finished. And then they'd go and they'd offer another sacrifice until it was finished. And then they would come back the next day and they would offer another sacrifice until it was finished. And they'd offer another, and they weren't ever done fully doing their work. They would just go home for the day. They'd come back, they'd offer more sacrifices and their work was never complete. But he's talking about this Jesus Christ that came on the scene, this son of God who paid one sin offering for all. For, he, he conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the grave with one work, with one act on the cross. He did one act. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. And it was done for all time. He's talking about how Jesus is better and he's talking about this new covenant that's come, not from the law that, that the, um, that the uh, Jewish people and the people of God had to follow for so many years. They had these 10 commandments that were given to them. And, and then on top of that, there were over 600 laws that they had to follow. And every time they broke them, there was another offering that had to be made, another sacrifice that had to be made. But when Jesus came on the scene... He said, it's, it's not about following all of those laws, but I've got a new way. I've got a new covenant. I've got a better covenant. And so he paid the price for us. And he became our high priest. And I love how the scriptures are talking about now, Jesus is our mediator. He's our high priest. And he's established a better covenant based upon better promises. And I love that in the book of Hebrews And so we're gonna go on this journey of talking about the struggles that we face in our lives and when I was very, very young, I, I had a lot of insecurities. I had, I had a lot of things that I was really nervous about that I didn't, it really silenced my voice and I became kind of shy and, and really introverted and, and I wasn't super outgoing. I had a lot of insecurities because I always struggled with what people thought. I always struggled with what people were thinking. 
And I had a lot of insecurities and I finally came to this point in my life where I was about middle school and I was like diagnosed with what's called vitiligo. And it's just simply where you lose the, the color or the pigment on your skin. And a young child who's already struggling with so many insecurities about what people think and what people say, on top of it, all of a sudden, the struggle became real. Does anybody remember that moment in your life where this struggle kind of blindsided you and you didn't really see it coming and you didn't know what to expect? And then once it was there and it rolled on the scene, you didn't really know how to deal with it. And I remember going through my middle school years and going into my high school years and being so gripped with guilt and shame because there was this struggle that I had that I couldn't do anything about. Has anybody ever been in that place before where you're like, I'm facing this struggle and there's absolutely no power. There's nothing that I can physically do about it. It's just there. And I remember going through those years and it affected me so deeply. And I remember nights just like crying myself to sleep because it was a struggle that I couldn't do anything about because I didn't know how to voice the opinion. So there were all of these jokes and there was always people making comments and I had, I had it on my, my eyelids. And so I had constantly had girls coming up to me asking me, are you wearing eyeshadow? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just my skin. And it made me super insecure. And it made me, and I wasn't confident about myself. And so I started wearing real baggy shorts. I know I'm wearing skinny jeans now, but I wore real baggy shorts. And, and they were always, the, the longer that they would come down my legs, the better because I had spots on my knees. And, and if I wore shorts that were long enough, nobody would see them and nobody would say anything. And, and I'd wear long sleeve shirts. And when I was walking around and when I was in class, I'd, I'd pull the, the sleeve over my hands and I would... I remember like the, the seam on the inside, I'd put my fingers around the seam so that my hands wouldn't come out. And I was gripped with such insecurity because the, the struggle was, was really real. And it affected the way I acted, it affected the way I felt, it affected the way I saw myself and it, and it affected the way I dressed. And I got to such a point of this struggle was so big in front of me and I couldn't do anything about it and I didn't know what to do. Can anybody else relate in this place today where, where maybe it wasn't a skin condition, but maybe it was a circumstance that came unexpectedly. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was something physical, or maybe it was just a way of thinking. And through the midst of all of this stuff, I started going into depression and entertaining thoughts that I never thought before, that I never had before. And the struggle became really real. The enemy had gotten me so sidetracked and so blindsided that I couldn't even see. I knew about Jesus. I knew about God, but I didn't fully know him and receive in my heart the power that he had. I didn't really fully receive the freedom that he had for me. And so I was stuck in this struggle. And so really quickly before we, we lift and we go to the redemption, I wanna talk about three lies that the struggle wants us to believe. Three lies that the struggle wants us to believe in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the situation that you're going through. Three things that it wants to speak very clearly to us. And the first one is this, is that it's too much. That when you're facing the struggle, it's too much. Has anybody ever been in that place before? Where it just felt like this struggle, this thing that I'm facing, it's too much, it's too heavy. I don't know how I can bear it. It's just too much for me. 
I say a lot of us have been in those places of feeling overwhelmed and just not knowing what to do. And, and what the struggle wants you to do is it wants you to magnify your problem and minimize your God. The struggle wants you to magnify the problem and make it so big that it, it's just too big, it's too much, it's too heavy, I can't do it on my own. And there is partial truth in that because we can't do it on our own. But the struggle wants us to focus on just it. And it doesn't want us to see past to the other side, that it's too much. And so it wants us to magnify this problem and minimize our God, but we, we know that the answers are in our God. We know that he has answers for us. We know that the battle belongs to him. We know that he fights for us and that he's there. And yet in the midst, it can be so hard to not listen and, and to entertain these voices of it's too much because it just feels so real in the moment. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to deter us. Because if he can delay us, what the struggle wants to do is deter us from growing through what we're going through. Have you ever heard that phrase before? He wants you, the Lord wants you to grow through it, but the enemy wants to deter us from growing through what we're going through. Because if we could fully see the redemptive purpose that the Lord has in the midst of the struggle, we could grow and realize that on the other side, I have keys to this now. And not just healing and freedom for me, but, but I have wisdom and I have insight and revelation to share with those who are around me, to help comfort those who are around me, to help guide others down the path around me that are going through similar situations. The enemy doesn't want us to get there, so he wants us to stay stuck in it's too much. It's too much. The second lie that the enemy wants us to to believe and that the struggle wants us to believe is that it will never change. Is that it will never change. Things are just always gonna be here. Have you ever been in that place where you said to yourself, it's just always gonna be like this. It's, it's never gonna change. No matter what I do, it's, it's just gonna stay that way. Have you ever been stuck in a position of not knowing what to do, of feeling like it's too much and just thinking there's no way this situation could ever change. Again, we know that there are redemptive purposes that the Lord has in the midst of the struggle, but when we're going through it at times, it can feel as though it's, it's too much, that it's never gonna change because all we can see is this thing that's standing right in front of us. You know, and, and as... I was growing up and as I was going through middle school, as I was going through high school, this vitiligo situation, this condition that I had, it was, it was very discouraging because I remember I had like an entire silverware drawer, you know, like a pull-out drawer, and it was just full of, of all of these different pills and all of these different things that I had to take daily. And it was just so discouraging because as I continued going through the process of trying to find healing, of trying to find some kind of remedy that would bring about a change, it just never changed and it always seemed to get worse. How many know in the midst of our struggles, things always seem to get worse? There's always another thing that we can add onto the pile and say, well, you know what, I have vitiligo, but you know, on top of that, people are making fun of me. And on top of that, there's so many jokes. And on top of that, I have this kind of depressive state that I'm, I'm just living in. And on top of that, and we can easily in those moments get things where we just continue throwing and adding to the pile. And it just seems like it's too much, like it will never change. And it's because 
It's not the perspective that we were designed to have. That's not the perspective that we were designed to have, but it's where the enemy wants to keep us stuck at. Because if he can get us hopeless, he wants to be able to destroy our hope so he can keep us stuck right where we're at. He wants to destroy our hope so that he can paralyze us, so that we'll just stay stuck right here and never move out of it. Never get to the redemption, never get to the fullness of the plan that the Lord has, but to stay stuck right where we're at. And that's what happens as we continue to magnify this, this problem and this struggle and it minimizes our God. We don't get our, our, our mindset on eternal things. We don't get our mindset on the word of God of what God has said and what Jesus has already done, but we stay stuck in this place. And it can be heavy and it can be dark and it can be very difficult to try and, and crawl my way out of. The third lie that the enemy wants us to believe is that there's something wrong with me. He wants you to believe that there's something wrong with you because then he starts attacking your identity. He starts attacking the identity of who you are at the very core. He wants to attack your identity. And so have, have you ever been in those places where you're asking like, it just gets so much and you're, you're underneath the weight of this, this struggle and you're like, what's wrong with me? The enemy wants you to get to look internally and not just say, well, it's just a struggle and it's just a, a spiritual opposition that's coming against me, but he wants to turn it internally and say, what's wrong with me? Why am I? Have you ever been in those places before where you're, you're asking these questions and entertaining these questions of why me? Why, why do I have to struggle with it? What's wrong with me? And the enemy wants to destroy and continue to, to put us in a victimized state. He wants to make us a victim because if he can, he can help us to see ourselves as a victim, then he knows that we'll be powerless. We'll be hopeless. We'll be paralyzed and stuck right where we're at. And so he doesn't want us to overcome these things, but if the enemy can get us to doubt our identity, he can delay our destiny. If he can get us to doubt our identity of who God has created us to be, then he can delay the destiny that God has for us. He can delay the mission and the very thing that we were placed here on this earth, the very things that we were called to overcome, that he could delay us from getting through the process if he can keep us stuck in front of the struggle. If he can keep us paralyzed in front of the struggle. I've heard it said before that who needs a devil when you can self-destruct? And, and as I thought about that, that phrase, who needs a devil when you can self-destruct? I, I thought about it and I was like, I, see, I thought I saw it so clearly where the Lord's like, the enemy just wants to put a struggle right in front of you because he's not like God. He's not omniscient. He's not all, all places, all knowing, all powerful. He's not all of those things. So if he could just set a struggle in front of you for you to use as a mirror and identify yourself with, he's like, I'll just come back in a little while, but I just wanna see how long this can keep them stuck. How long I can keep them stuck in the dysfunction, how long I can keep them stuck in the thoughts and the cycles and, and even the sin cycles and the patterns. If I can just keep them stuck right here, I don't have to do any more work, but I can let them start to, to entertain thoughts that are gonna destroy themselves. And so the plan of the enemy is how can I get them to work against themselves? 
How can I get them to work against their own identity, to destroy their own identity? And for so many years, I remember asking those questions. Will it ever change? It's just, it feels like too much. Will I ever get just a breath of air? Will, will I ever, like, why are, why are there so many things wrong with me and attacking my own identity? But the Lord wants us to see and have another perspective. The, through all of those things, the enemy wants to keep us down and he wants to keep us stuck in our identity, but, but we're supposed to identify with what Hebrews 8, 6 is saying is this mediator who has established a better covenant based upon better promises. So the enemy has all kinds of destruction and all kinds of filth and all kinds of garbage and all kinds of weight that he wants to throw at us. But the Lord is saying, I have something completely better for you. I have something more redemptive for you that yes, you might not understand the circumstances and the situation. You might not understand the struggle fully and why it's there, but I do have redemption for you. I do have victory for you. I do have blood that was shed as a sacrifice for you so that you can overcome because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony that there is a blood that has paid the price for you. And so that's why as we get into three truths, we're bringing redemption. I promise we're coming up now. It's not going to stay heavy, but three truths that Jesus wants us to believe. There are so many truths that Jesus wants us to believe, but to combat those lies and those voices, I believe there are three things where the lie says that it's, it's, it's too much. Jesus wants us to believe that it is not too much. It's very simple, it's very plain, and all I have to offer is Jesus. All I have to offer is the solution here today. It's not gonna be super complex and seven steps to, to do this and that in every situation, but simply it's not too much. That what you're going through is not too much because the Lord has something better for you and he is much better. He wants you in the midst of the struggle to be determined. The enemy wants to deter you, but the Lord wants you to be determined that what you're going through, that there is something better on the other side, that there is sunshine, that the, the, the new day will dawn, that the, the joy, that morning lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He's like, I got something better for you on the other side. And I can't help but think of the Israelites as they were coming out of Egypt, they come up as, as Pastor Justina was referring to earlier, they have this Egyptian army behind them, but right in front of them, they have this Red Sea. And what happened in this moment is it felt overwhelming because they were surrounded. They were looking and they were facing the struggle. They were looking it right in the eyes, but all of a sudden it says that the Lord brought about a pillar behind them and he protected them. And so Moses extends his staff and it said that by, by all night, it said he, he drew back the waters by a strong east wind all that night. And though it sounded like a storm and though it sounded like another trouble, as, as the Lord started bringing up the new day and dawning a new day, all of a sudden they started seeing a pathway of hope, a pathway of deliverance that was before them because he wanted to renew their hope. He wanted to renew them and have them to be determined that the struggle you're going through will not overcome you. It will not defeat you, but I'm providing you a way out in the midst of it. He was saying, I have something much better for you that the struggle will not defeat you, but we have an El Shaddai, a God that is more than enough. And, and what I like to do is, 
I, I often refer also to the story of Abraham. In the story of Abraham, the angel of the Lord appears to him and, and he had been given this promise that he was gonna have a son. And the angel of the Lord says, this time next year, you're gonna have your son. And he's like, I'm old. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is gonna happen. Super old and I don't know how this will happen. But the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And that's a question in the midst of the struggles that I continually have to ask myself that when I don't feel it, I ask, is there anything too hard for the Lord? But all of a sudden, as I start encouraging myself in the Lord, I get to this posture of, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I've seen him come through for me in the past and I've seen him do a great work in my life before. So is there anything too hard for the Lord that he won't do it again, that he won't come through again? Is there anything too hard for the Lord, that he is the God of more than enough. And I love in Proverbs 21, verse one, it says that the king's heart is in, is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. I love that he holds the heart of man in his hands. And how much more the struggle that you're facing how much more does he have authority and power over the struggles that you're facing that are in front of you? How much more power and authority does he have to move that thing from it's too much to realizing that it is not too much in the hands of our God? I might not be able to do it on my own, but in his hands, all things are possible. With man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The second truth that Jesus wants us to believe is that it will change. The enemy wants us to believe very simply that it, it will never change, but Jesus is saying it will change. He wants us to believe that and get it inside of us because he wants hope for us. And I love in, in Hebrews chapter six, verses 19 through 20, it says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What, what this scripture is saying is that Jesus has already done it all. He's already paid the highest price and now he sits at the right hand of the father and he makes intercession for us. We have this hope that Jesus has completed the work and he's paid the price for us so that we don't have to. What the scripture is saying is that we can rest our hope in Jesus because he's never failed. That we can rest our hope in Jesus because he's really done it all. He's really paid it all. The highest price, he's already paid it. And we have this hope because I, as I, I like to look back and, and evaluate through the scriptures, some of the different miracles that Jesus did. But as I, I look back at the life of Jesus, I see, I see him coming to earth and he, he challenges the religious leaders of the day and they, they taught one thing and thought one way, but Jesus is saying, it's not really that. It's not just following laws and following rules. It's really about your heart. And I wanna change the perspective because change is what he does best. He meets a, a woman at a well that's just kind of sitting in her misery and she's kind of stuck where she's at. And he says, I see that the struggle is real in your life, but I have change. 
And he brings about a change inside of her that changes her perspective and it changes her whole outlook. And she goes and, and ministers to the whole city and tells them all about Jesus and revival comes in because change is what he does best. Change is what he does best. That it's, it's not too much. It will change. And the third thing here is, the third truth that Jesus wants us to believe is that there's nothing wrong with me. For so many years, I, I stayed stuck in, and it probably took the better part of a decade of feeling so stuck that something just had to be wrong with me for all of these attacks. Something had to be wrong with me because I didn't look like everybody else or I didn't think like everyone else. I just didn't quite fit in. There had to be something wrong with me. And finally, I could see with a perspective that there was, there was nothing wrong with me. And I love a few scriptures because Jesus wants us to be victorious. He's already won the victory. He's never lost a battle. Good news, he's never lost a battle and he never plans on losing a battle. Not in your life, not in your life, not in my life. He, he's not gonna lose a battle. And I love quoting some scriptures that remind me of how he sees me and of what he says about me. Because in the midst of our struggle, it's so easy to close the Bible and just kind of leave it on the shelf. Because I, I kind of want to look internally and, and I don't know what it is about the struggle, but sometimes we just, we almost feel better sitting in the struggle than going to the solution and the answers that we know are gonna bring us freedom. And sometimes we just stay stuck in it, but I love going to these scriptures that give me perspective because I can stay stuck looking at the struggle and I can stay stuck evaluating myself and asking questions that I'm never gonna get answers to. And even if I had the answers, they probably still aren't gonna do me any good. But I love going to scriptures like, and it's not in your notes, but Psalm 139, 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. There's nothing wrong with me. In Genesis 1, chapter 27, then God says to us, because there's nothing wrong with you, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, because he's made you with purpose. He's designed you with destiny. He's made us for a specific reason that he put great intent into what he created in a son and a daughter. He did it very skillfully and very intentionally. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation because there's nothing wrong with you. You are a royal priesthood because there's nothing wrong with you. You are a holy nation because there's nothing wrong with you. You are his own special people because there's nothing wrong with you that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light because there's nothing wrong with you. It's just a struggle. It's just a struggle and this too shall pass. Jesus has made us victorious because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 through 58, it says, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's made you victorious. He's made you on purpose. He's made you with purpose and for purpose, that your life has been created very intentionally, that it's not too much, that things will change that there is nothing wrong with you. And when, when I was in my young 20s, I had already given my life to the Lord and my perspective had started shifting and changing about who I was and how I was created. And, and I started accepting the fact that maybe I don't look like everyone else. And I chose from that, that point to say, God, I, I truly and I fully wanna be able to see myself and the world around me with the eyes that you have. I wanna see with your eyes and I wanna feel with your heart. And, and I remember sitting in my room and I had a, a rap group, I used to have a rap group and, um, and we were working on a new project and late one night, it was probably at least midnight, and I'm sitting in my room and, and I wanted to work on a song and all of a sudden, it was like Holy Spirit just came into the room. And I could, I could feel and sense His presence. And, and I'll never forget the encounter that I had that night because I, I started writing this song about the struggles I had growing up. I started writing some lyrics about the vitiligo that I was faced with and uh, really, like it really isn't that big of a deal. Why does it grip me so deeply? Why does it grip me so hard? And I felt the Lord identifying because the enemy is attacking your identity because he wants to delay your destiny and I sat in that room until I was finished in what felt like five minutes. I wrote this entire song and I just wanna share some of the lyrics because I was writing from a point of, of how I used to see myself. And then I saw finally the perspective of the redemption that the Lord wanted through it. And so I, I remember sitting down and writing the whole thing and, and I, I the cry that I used to feel was, I, I wanna be a different person. I just wanna get away. I wanna stand and fight, but I don't have the words to say. I wanna have the strength to push past the rest. I wanna have the discipline to pass this test. And what the Lord did in that moment is he, he brought about a refrain that he says, I, I see and I know the pain and I feel the Lord saying this to somebody in here today, that I see and I know the pain that you've been through. The pain that you've expressed maybe openly or maybe it was only behind closed doors, but I see and I know the pain that you went through. I see the tears that you've cried. 
I know the questions that you've asked and I know the hopelessness that you felt. And the refrain was simply this, that I was saying, this is how I used to feel, but this is the perspective that God has given me today. I don't wanna be a different person. I don't need to get away. I can stand and fight because I've found the words to say. I finally have the strength to push past the rest. I finally have the discipline to pass this test. The struggle, whatever it may be that's in front of you. Maybe it was designed to slow you down. And maybe the enemy has crafted it to destroy you. But I'm just here to tell you today that Jesus has new perspective, that he has paid the price for your sins, for your struggles, for your physical ailments. He's paid the price for all of those things. And I love when scripture says to cast the whole of your cares upon him, to cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. We need to understand the truth that God has for us. We need to understand the perspective that he has for us. And though the situation may never change, though my, my vitiligo may never change, though it may never go away, something can change on the inside. Something can change in my identity. Something can change in my perspective. Though we might be stuck with the struggle, he can still bring glory out of it and bring glory through it. Just as if it had never happened. Justified, that you can come out the other side justified, just as if I'd never been through that struggle before. So that he can take away all of those years days, weeks, months of pain, of struggle, of saying, you know what, there are, there are so many things that can happen in our childhood that they affect the way we are later on. And I remember I used to wear a wristband on my elbow because my, my right elbow was, was the biggest spot that I had. And for years and years, I, I wore this wristband because how many know we try to cover up and we try to hide the things that we don't like about ourselves? When the enemy brings something against us, we try to cover up and we try to hide because I'm not quite sure how everybody's gonna, gonna think about me, how, how, how anybody is gonna really receive me. We try to cover things up and we try to hide, but all of a sudden the Lord brought about a redemption in my life that said I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That I was made with purpose, for purpose, on purpose. And now, through going through the battle that the enemy had placed in front of me, what used to be my biggest struggle is now my greatest resolve. Because how many know that when the enemy attacks you in one way, the Lord's gonna strengthen you in a different way. He's gonna give you keys to freedom. He's gonna give you pathways to freedom, not just for yourself, but so now that I can go beyond myself, it's not just about me, but so I can start spreading the truth of who he is to everyone around me. The enemy thought he was going to destroy me. And I'll say it this way, the enemy thought he was going to destroy you. 
The enemy thought that he was going to destroy you, not realizing that he was going to create a moment where you came to your greatest resolve, to your greatest revelation of who God is in this situation and who he wants to be to those around you. Church, would you pray with me here today? With every head bowed, with eyes closed, first and foremost, I want to pray for those who who maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior. Maybe, maybe you've strayed and you've, you've wandered off a bit and, and you're like, I, I just know and I sense in my heart today that it's time to come home. I believe today is the day that, that the Lord is calling prodigals home. And so if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right where you're at in your seat. Raise your hand right where you're at. If you say, I need salvation. I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need to come back home because I've been gone for far too long. Whether you're here or whether you're online, go ahead and drop a, a hand emoji in the comments. If that's you, we want to pray with you. We want to know who we're praying with. And just repeat this in your heart after me. Say, Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for all that you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for my sins, to take my sins away as far as the east is from the west. And today I choose Jesus. I choose to believe that Jesus is better. And I declare in my heart, I believe and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Lord, I pray that you come into my heart, show me how to live. My life is yours in Jesus name. And as we continue praying here this morning, if if that's you in here, no matter where you're at, no matter what your struggle is, if you've been able to identify that struggle here today, I believe Holy Spirit wants to bring some freedom and some healing. And so if that's you that says, you know what, I need, I need freedom from this struggle, if you would just raise your hand right where you're at and say, when, when you're praying over the struggle, I want you to pray with me and for me. Father, you know the hands, you see the hearts. And we ask that you would come in this moment and give us new perspective. That you would give us hope and faith to rise above every struggle that the enemy is bringing against us. We believe that Jesus is better. We believe that you have redemption and that you have purpose. And so God, we, we cast our cares, we cast our struggle upon you because you care for us. We thank you for your work. Do your work, have your way in our lives. We ask these things and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk not get weary they shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait 
Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.